Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and today I'm joined by Lauren Scott, who is an estate agent from Whitley Bay in uh, the Northeast near Newcastle. Um, and in 2019, she was the president of the National Association of Estate Agents. Lauren, thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'd like to go through your story as an estate agent so we can teach the boys and girls out there in estate agency land um, how, what trials and tribulations, your fears, frustrations, your hopes and dreams of your estate agency journey, why you became an estate agent, why you decided to uh, buy your own estate agency by borrowing a quarter of a million pounds off your, um, off your mother, uh, the trials and tribulations of when the recession hit uh, and unfortunately you also got cancer at the same time um, and then the, the follow on through on how you got through all that to the place where you became the president of the National Association of State Agents and the fact that while it is tough out there you, you are flying as an agent. Is that okay? Absolutely. Beautiful. First thing first is when did you know that you wanted to become an estate agent? Like many of us, I didn't wake up and think, you know what, I would like to be an estate agent. It wasn't even anywhere in my mind. Um, my passion was horses. So when I went to university, I studied equine science and worked with horses, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but I quickly realised that I wasn't going to make a lot of money doing that, and I was always very driven. And while I was at university, I had a Saturday job at your move um, in Whitley Bay. And um, I used to make more in commission than the full-timers and realised that actually I absolutely love this. I'm really good at it. Um, so instead of someone else paying me to look after their horse, I thought, you know what, I want to make a career out of this. I want to succeed. I want to make a lot of money and I'm really good at it. And I loved it. So um, when I finished my university course, I decided to go full-time in agency. That's what I did. So I worked for a couple of corporates and then got an opportunity to work for a company called Trading Places, who was an independent mortgage brokers. Okay, let's, br let's bring it back. Um, with regard to you wanting to become an estate agent, how did your parents feel that they basically helped you through your university career, you know, three years, it's not cheap, almost not to throw it away, but to almost say, well, I'm not going to do anything with horses, I just want to be an estate agent. Um, Mum was delighted, actually, um, because when I started embarking on what type of role within the equine industry, and I did try a lot, I tried uh, the racing industry, the breeding, the teaching, so I toe-dipped in a lot, and a lot of it is minimum wage, you can't make any more money, it's early morning. Even mornings. with a degree? Even with a degree, it's very, very, very difficult, um, so... Mum, again, she'd paid for private education and was saying, you know, I've paid all this money for your education. This is not what I expected of you. You know, why don't you think about doing something else? You're so good at selling. You're so good working with people. Why don't you give it a go? And um, that, that was one of the main reasons my mum was always a huge inspiration to me. So. And you said you were driven. Where, which side of the family does that come from? From my mum. Okay. Yeah. What, what's your dad brought to the party? Um, well, my dad's passed away now. He okay, passed away in 2004. Um, 
and I didn't have a lot of contact with my dad from when I was about 16. Um, he was hard worker, he worked on the oil rigs, so that, that's how he passed away, he was in a helicopter crash. Um, but I was always with my mum, and my mum was always my inspiration to me. So your dad taught you hard work, and your mum's the driven one, and that's why you know you pushed yourself where you did. Yeah, absolutely. My mum was a, a single mum for a long time, and she worked her way up from being leaving school, being a nurse, and now she's a director of nursing, and it was just how driven she was, how much she studied and wanted to be at the top of her game, and... Um, watching that was incredible do you think you've got a lot to, you've got a lot to thank your mum for with regard to the way you are driven in terms of you know when you watched her as a child every day every day I'm grateful yeah okay so you said you you, you went you, you went to work for a couple of corporates we went to work for your move and then you said you became um, you joined a um, independent agent was it, what's it called trading it was trading places mortgage brokers and originally I went for a, an interview to to work alongside the mortgage brokers because again I was thinking I'm in this industry where do I want to be how old were you at this time I was 90 uh, no I wasn't sorry I was 21 okay. 21 at the time and the woman who owned the business um, had said listen I've looked at your CV I've spoken to you you're an agent through and through will you set up an estate agency with for me with my money I thought, oh my goodness, absolutely, okay. absolutely. As, so, a as a, you say, a 19-year-old? 21. 21, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's what I did. So I set that up for Lynn. Um, she was, you know, she loved property and she was she was a property investor herself, but she was mainly focused on mortgages. Um, and so I grew the business for Lynn. Um, that was in a place called Pontyland. And well, that's the posh part of Newcastle, it? Isn't is. It? It's the fabulous part yeah. of Newcastle with the very expensive houses. Um, and so I worked alongside Lynn, um, and in 2007, Lynn said she was selling the business, and I was devastated because I'd put years of... of so how old were you by then at 2007? 23. 23? Yeah. So you basically got her estate agency off the ground. Yep. And then she said she decided to sell it. She decided to sell the business. 2007, so that's just before the, the, the crash. Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. So um, I went to my mum and said, Lynn's selling the business. We're doing really, really well. Um, would you like to invest in the business and me? Lend me the money, please. And I begged her. I, will, I said, you'll be able to retire early. We'll be able to make all this money. Will you lend me the, bus will you lend me the money? And she did. So um, we had a good start we had a good couple of months so in the Pontyland area at the time you had the self-cert mortgages you had the footballers buying the houses and the the average house price was anywhere from 800,000 up to two three million okay. so the, the commissions were fabulous when they were there um, and that was the real pull for me those those type of clientele those type of fees um, and then it all went horribly wrong Northern Rock crashed and overnight we went from um, making no money. We didn't sell a house in 18 months. It was horrific and that was across the board in the area. They pulled the self-cert mortgages which was uh, crippling for that level of property. The footballers who were the main investors in the area, they just started renting in-house um, or, or between each other um, and their agents were saying don't buy, the market's crashing, do not buy. So that was a hit on the market as well. 
and at the time I had absolutely no lettings book. We were sales only, so we had no property management. So you paid £250,000 for an estate agency business with no lettings? Yes. Do you think in hindsight that was a little naive? It was very naive, but I was 23 years old and I didn't have the knowledge that I had now. I would never, ever, if I had the knowledge I had now, goodness me, I would never have made that decision. I could have probably set the business up myself for 20000 Um, But at the time, I thought that's what was right. Um, and that has been my biggest challenge to date uh, because that money wasn't just loaned from a bank. Um, yeah, because you, you could have just thrown the keys and said, I could have just said, that's it, I'm giving up. Um, it was from my mum, who's, who's literally my world. So... She yeah. was my biggest... Uh, and not selling one house for 18 months. Yeah. How did you feel at that time? Because did I you was, have staff at this time? I did have staff, yeah. I mean, we had... At the first, we had the pipeline, which was great. Um, and I had to just be very reactive and think, what am I going to do? And what I did was I reached out to Property Mark, to Arla, and I very quickly... I did the level three in the training in six weeks. So it very, very quickly, um, I sat every course that I could and made sure that I knew exactly what I was doing, set up a client account and started building very quickly the lettings because although the sales dropped off, people still had to move. And the good news is the, the rental um, values were very high. So if you got even a tenant find, it was, you know, it was a really good fee. So even so, so even though you were not putting any sales fees in, because you basically turned on a sixpence yeah. and, and taught yourself how to be a letting agent, yeah, th that's what that's what paid the the bills. That's what paid the bills. That that is what saved us completely, and the support that I got from Property Mark, which is why I hold them so dear today. Um, I didn't want to just do it off a whim. I wanted to make sure I was correctly trained because I know it's a minefield. Okay. So that's what I did. Okay, but if you don't mind me saying, most estate agents make absolutely appalling letting agents because of the detail and things like that. How did you find you were able to, to understand that and, and, and more importantly love it? Because it is, a, it is a love, isn't it? It is a love and you know what I do? It, it, uh, today my business is equal sales and lettings and I just wear two hats. It's exhausting, I must say, to be able to jump from that to that to that to that. But I do it and I love each part of it. I love working with the landlords, the tenants. I love their stories. I love being on a journey with the tenant and being with them for many, many years. The same with the landlord, helping with their portfolios. So I get joy out of both sides of the business, and I always have. Now, this is at the time when you were diagnosed with cancer. Yes. So that was just in 2008. Began to get a little bit poorly. Um, couldn't really work out what it was. And... Um, at the time, I was too young to have a smear test. And the GP that I've had is incredible. She's looked after me from a little girl. She did all sorts of tests and said, the only thing I haven't done is a smear test and you're not old enough for one, unfortunately. She said, but I don't care, I'm gonna do one anyway. Within three days, I was back in hospital and um, it, I had cancer. And it was a very aggressive type of cancer. So I was within 14 days, I was in surgery. Um, so that was terrifying because not only was I trying to train, I was trying to bring business in, I was trying to work, my mum was so worried about me um, and it was, a, it was a 
probably one of the lowest times of my life. It was really, really tough, the unknowing. And the, the whole cancer word is just terrifying. Um, because at this point, you were, you were still on your own, weren't you? Yes, I was still so on my was, own. So there was no one to support you? No, other than my mum. No, didn't have anyone to support me. Um, so yes, it was, it was a tough time. Um, but I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter. And um, although every day was a struggle, I kept on going and kept on going, kept on out. And I never took a long time off work. I had um, four lots of surgery. And thankfully, um, within 12 months, I got the, the all clear. And then I was, I was looked at every three months, which is hard as it is, because it's not just you're cured and that's it. Every three months, you're going back for the checks. And every three months, you're thinking, is it back? Um, so you never really get away do from it. Do you still it. have your th every three months now? Not every three months, thankfully now. I'm on six monthly now. So Do you still have those same fears of, I wonder if it's come back? You do, yeah. And I think I, I always will. And even when you speak to someone else who, um, unfortunately, has had a diagnosis, it brings it all back, the fear. Um, and it, and it is, it's, it's tough. Does it get slightly better every time? Or is it the same intensity of fear and um over time you kind of get used to it the fear never ever goes away and then something might happen and then you get that dread again to think is it coming back um like i've managed to have two children um very very grateful for that but that wasn't easy because i have no no cervix at all so I nearly lost the first baby and I had to have emergency surgery and have to have uh, be sutured so to keep the baby in. I had him premature um, and had to have an emergency section. Um, so that was terrifying. So every week I had to go back into hospital to have internal scans to make sure I was still able to carry the baby. They didn't know whether I was going to get to 24 weeks. So all of that brought back the feelings of the cancer. It was the same sort of thing. So it was terrifying. Meanwhile, you're trying to run a, an estate and letting agency with no business partner yet, and no, and 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 no actual partner as well, yeah. and having the debt of of, of your mum yes. on your shoulders because I'm sure you have you you probably weren't starting to pay that back too much because you obviously had to pay the staff. Absolutely, staffer. absolutely, and there wasn't profit being made. We didn't we wash it washed its face for for the years, but it never really made a profit. So, what, how did that relationship with your mother change because of that almost sort of Damocles so it's been it's been up and down to be honest um a lot of it my fault uh, because after I had the cancer the weirdest thing happened and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this so I was so strong got through the cancer then got the all clear and then thought you know what life's too short I'm going to do what I want I was a little bit more reckless I was traveling a lot when I should have been concentrating more on the business. And from mum, she was worried because she was thinking, you need to be focused. You've managed to get over this cancer hurdle. Now you need to be focused on the business. But you thought, sod it, I'm going to I thought, that. sod it, I nearly died. I'm, I'm, I'm off, I want to be here. And I, was, and I was so focused on quality of life and lifestyle. I was thinking, should I do properties in Dubai? So I was jetting over to Dubai. I, you know, instead of really concentrating on getting the core strong okay. of the business. How so, are your staff feeling at this point? Were they behind I've you? I've been really lucky with my staff through everything, through the cancer, okay. through the children. Okay. So they've always been very supportive, okay. I must say. But their boss was flying around the country with, you know, with gay abandon thinking, yeah. it. <laughs> 
probably drinking and having fun. You know. Yes, yes, yeah. Were they okay with that? They were all right, yeah. They didn't complain too much. I think they thought I was a barrel of laughs at the time, so I don't think they complained too much. So so I think that, that I must say, that has been the only um, uh, upset between mum and I. The other challenge has been when I have been completely... So that was only, I must say, a very short period, six months. That was it. After that, I was literally back on my knees, working every hour God sent. I didn't have the children at the time. Um, so I was able to do 16-hour days, seven days a week. And I asked for the business. I wasn't scared to ask for the business. And I built the portfolios up. Okay. And, you still uh, in Pontyland at this point? I was still in Pontyland at this point, yeah. Okay. And, um, and at some stages, I was so stressed and so worn out. Mum was saying, you know what? I don't want the money back. Shut the business. Because it was hard. We had the double dip reception, right? So it was just, it was hard it was, work. It was I mean, in London, it has... You know, it was really good after 2011, but you guys, you had, you did yeah. have a dip. We thought it was going to get better, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're you're on your knees again. So it was just felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But I kept on going, kept on going, kept on working, and I think it was when I had uh, my first child, and obviously, I'm my mum's child. She was worried about me with a pregnancy after the was bringing her feelings back with the the cancer and everything, and she was saying, you know what, sweetheart just jack it in you can go work for somebody else without all this stress and make a really good living but for me that is not me I don't give up on things I don't give up on anything and um, I kept on going and kept on going um, do you think in hindsight was the right thing to do yes well I mean what was your lowest point you know once you you know with the double the, with the double dip I mean 08 was the was the first one and then it was was it 12 13 12 13 yeah okay what was your lowest point in 1213? Um, so for me, I was a new mother with a premature baby, which was tough. And um, I couldn't do what I used to do. I knew if I had to make two grand that week, I could go out, I could find the business, I could find a new landlord, I could make that money to pay those bills. Um, because we were struggling hand to mouth. Everything got paid, but a lot of the time of this, the second dip, it was it was sometimes tougher than the first one, you know, and um, when you've got a baby who's relying on you and you're exhausted, it's really tough to do that. So for me, that was probably my lowest point. Did you feel guilty in any way that you were trying to be a mother, a partner, and and a boss? You feel guilty every day because if you're spending time with the little one, you're not supporting the staff in the business. You're not supporting your partner enough because then they don't get the attention. And then I always try to find time for myself. My passion's horses, so it still is horses. And for me, it's a huge thing to be able to get away a few times a week, spend time just me and my horse. And that, for me, is the best therapy. However, I do beat myself up over it because I always feel like I need to be doing something with work or I should be doing something with the children. But I also know that for me to be the best person that I can be, I need, I need some me time. What advice would you give to people, uh, especially women, who are juggling these plates? And I know that's not a question I would ask a man, but um, and I don't specifically want to do a separate video about women in the state agency, because well, let's be honest, we've done those to death. But I particularly want to know is how have you got better at spinning plates and not being so guilty? 
I think, yeah, because like a yeah. prat, you went to, and we'll get to it in a second, you went to put your hand up to be president of a National Association yes. of States. But, but how did you, how have you got better at that as a woman? So for me, it's all about being the best person I can be. So being full of enthusiasm, for being full of happiness, because if I'm happy, everybody around me is happy. My team's happy, my kids are happy, my mum's happy, my husband's happy. And so I need to make sure that I'm happy. And when I'm happy and I, I can be organised, then everybody's happy. So the time I spend with my children is quality time. The time I spend with my husband is quality time. The time that I make for me is quality time. And as long as I can do that and I can be organised, then everybody gets gets a little and bit do, of Would you say thing. that's a tip that you'd give to everyone out there in the state agency and letting agency? Absolutely, run? because if you don't care for yourself and make sure that the, this one person yeah. is able to cope and is happy, you can't then make everybody else happy. When did you become aware of that, that that needed to happen? Um, when did I become aware of it? Possibly when I didn't have time for myself and I, I became miserable. I must say I did become miserable. And if I was miserable, then you don't want to be happy and have that look, okay. that time. But when did you actually, when did it become, you know, there's plenty of miserable people out there that don't have self-awareness that they are miserable or affecting yeah. other people's. Was there something specific that someone said to you where you think, shit? I think I just looked at myself and thought, that's not, that's not the best person you can be. That's not you. I'm generally a very happy, positive person and I like to give and I like to make everybody else around me happy. That's what I've been like since I was a child. And you can feel when things are starting to be strained with your husband, with the children, if you're getting snappy with them, well, really, it shouldn't be like that. You should have all of the time in the world and the time that you do get to spend together, it should be precious. Um, and yes, there's times when you think, oh my goodness, you know, you're being a bit, a bit snappy, a bit, that's not you, that's not you. So I always say, all I need is some time for myself. Got hacking with the horse. Got hacking with the horse. I come back, I'm a new woman, I'm fine. I can deal with anything. And it was particularly after my second child, who was a nightmare when he was born, cried the whole time um, for the first 16 weeks. And all I needed was one hour a day. That's what I was allowed. One hour a day. It's all I needed. And I would come back a new woman and I could deal with it again. When was your second child born? 2017. Okay. Okay. But like a fool, you went to put your hand up to be president in 2017 to be the president-elect or what, vice president I, I don't did. know how, you've got more presidents in the army than you have than the, in an African country yes we have indeed I did well you know, it all goes back to 2007 um, when I needed help and for me property mark was there whether it be the regional meetings or whether it be the training I survived because of property mark so um, I was asked to be a regional representative and I just loved that togetherness when was when was that that was 2014. Okay, so you became the the, 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 pre, the rep for the North The rep for the North East, yeah. Okay. And I, because I'm on my own, I'm an independent, I don't have people to call upon to say, I'm having this trouble, what do I do here? When I became part of that network and that association, I had that, whether it was picking up the phone or sitting around having dinner, and that support network for me was huge. Um, meeting people like yeah, David, you know, everybody. It was just fantastic. Um, and I felt that I needed to give something back to the association that, that saved me. 
and that's why I did it. And I also wanted to help people who were in my position, who were on their own and needed that support. So when I was asked, we think that you'd be great, will you do it? I thought, oh, I'd, I'm not sure if I could. I've got the children, I've got the business. Okay. Spoke to my husband and he said... Because um, you were quite young at this time, weren't you? Yes. 29? Yeah. I was 29, yeah. No, I wasn't 29, I was 31. 31. Yeah, yeah. That's and, quite young. Uh, quite young, yeah. So I was, the, I was at the time the youngest ever female president. Okay. And um, I had big shoes to fill, you know. Katie Griffin is incredible and mm. has always been a... Big in the game. She is big in the game and big, the game. big shoes to fill and I would never try and fill them. But again, she was a huge inspiration to me, as was Jan Heitch, who I sat on the board with. And again, Jan is huge on education, which I'm so passionate about. And I thought, you know what, I could really connect with these younger people and try, and that's why I'm push on the apprenticeship side, and try and get that young talent into the industry instead of people just falling into it by mistake. So I thought, you know what, I could try and make a difference. If I can if I can give it my mm -hmm. all for 12 months, try and make a difference, why not? Okay. So that's what I did. But it's quite a, a time burger being president, isn't yes. it? Yes, bearing in mind my, my uh, little one was only, goodness me, five months old at the time. Okay. I mean, who looked after the children when you were gallivanting around the country? So my team, who were my mum and my husband, were incredible. Um, at first, my husband came with me a few times, um, but it was tough because we've got the older, the older child, so it's dropping him off at school. I couldn't take him out of school, but on a few occasions, mum had my older boy, Noah, and um, and Johnny came with me with Jesse, and um, although it sounded great at the time, it was exhausting for him. We didn't want to sit in a hotel room with a little one, and when I was at meetings, so um, we just had to get on with it. And, and you know, and he literally was incredible through it. He was amazing. But when I was home, I had to spend time with them and quality time with them. Um, and for the kids, always made sure that we FaceTimed, that they got a present when I came home. And um, yeah, it was, it worked. Do you think you'd do it again? Probably, because I'm that type of person. Um, I don't regret doing it at all. I met some incredible people. I learned so much. For me, it was like a, a 12 month kind of training course. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to go to the biggest events. I got to um, meet the most incredible people who I now I'm lucky enough to call friends and can call upon if I need to. So I personally, I got a lot from it as well with the networking that I did and with the training that I got. But I also feel like I, I did give quite a lot and, and work as hard as I possibly could for property, Mark. You say you were in Whitney Bay, which is on the coast. Why did you move from Pontyland to Whitney Bay? So I was born and bred in, in Whitley Bay and um, Pontyland I fell upon when I bought the business from Lynn and I always found it a, a struggle because I wasn't from there, it was, um, you know, I, did, I didn't grow up there, I didn't have any family contacts and you know in this game it's all about, when you, especially when you're small independent, who you know um, and I was offered to open a second branch in Whitley Bay. Um, so who, who offered you? Um, a landlord who I knew, there's a, there's a vacant unit do you want to come to Whitley Bay? And I thought, let's do it. My husband said, I'm 100% behind you, Lauren. Go for it. So I opened the two. Do you live in do you I live in Whitley Bay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when did you open up the second office? I opened up the second office in 2014. They say opening up the second office is actually 
can actually be the worst thing you can ever do. Well, yeah, and it was because especially when um, I am the face of my business, people want to deal with me. And I felt that I was just literally torn between the two branches. And it was re it was a real struggle. And within the first six months of trading, I made probably more than I'd made in two years at Pontyland. And it was a no brainer. You know, I thought, you know, I can get out of this lease. Somebody else wanted to take the lease over in Pontyland. And I thought, I'm just going to stick in Whitley Bay. And I still had the lettings portfolio in Pontyland, which I, which I kept, but um, it was a no brainer for me. And it was just a totally different market. Do you think in hindsight, you'd if you still stopped in Pontyland, I know I called it different, sorry, from the Pontyland, South, Pont yeah. Pontyland, it's my little phrase, um, you'd still be in business today if you were just still there and only there? Don't know, it's hard. Are you enjoying the job more because you're now back in your home? I love it. And you know what it could be as well, Chris? I had a really tough time in Pontyland and there was a real cloud over me from day one of buying the business, whether it was the, the, the constant recession that I was in while I was there, the cancer. I, I still worked there when I lost my father as well, you know, which was before I bought the business, but I was still there. So there was just a catalogue of events that were quite a negative effect on my life. Um, I still went to work every day, but it was just... It was like a shadow or a cloud. It was a shadow and a cloud, you're right, yeah. And I felt that when I went to Whitley Bay, it was a real fresh start. And, you know, I, I felt people knew me and liked me and wanted to do business with me. So I was constantly being contacted to say, oh, Lauren, you, you're on the coast now. Could you sell my mum's house or could you come and have a look at mine? I've got these rental properties. So it was just a total game changer for me. So do you think for the agents watching this, working in the town that you live in is really important? Yes, and getting on with the people and, and being yeah. a figure in the town is absolutely important because let's face it, estate agency is all about trust and likability in the person. It's about people. It's it? about people. And if people like the person, you're on to a good studying already to win the business and to have the, the opportunity of even trying to go for the business. So, um, yes, to anyone out there, you know, that is definitely what I would recommend. So a big tip for you, do think long and hard before you start your own second agency. I'm a firm believer, because I've seen so many people do it, the only two reasons you should open a second office and be successful is if you uh, have a joint director who mm -hmm. you can split between yourselves, mm -hmm. but there's only one of you, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. um, and the second one is if you have a mini-me. Yes, yeah. Who basically, you know, final few questions. If there was one decision that you would change as an estate agent, what would it have been? Buying the business. Okay. And what's been your proudest moment as an estate agent? Um, I think the day I stood up at the Savoy and addressed the membership um, on my inaugural day of being president, that for me was huge, absolutely huge. Okay. It was, it was incredible. You've got another 30 years to work with the age that you are yeah what's the future for lauren scott um so at the moment um i am very content within my business my business isn't huge it's manageable for me what i like to provide is a really good service make a good living and and be happy 
I don't want to be the number one I've got the most properties to sell because I couldn't manage to do that job effectively so for me now I've got the perfect balance of I've got a great team I've got a great home life balance and um, work balance sorry and um, I am very happy to continue how, how I'm going at the moment um, I'm still involved, involved very much with property market the educational side and also with the Auburn Trust so I'm very happy to still give back to the industry um, but yeah I'm a, I'm a pretty happy chappy at the moment just cracking on the way I am. Thank you for your time today Lauren uh, you've been inspirational and um, I hope you boys and girls out there in the state agency land have learned something from Lauren um, don't beat yourself up that's a, that's a big one isn't yeah. it be aware of your weaknesses and yes. your strengths look after yourself yeah important. don't be afraid to, to ask for help yeah and if you don't look after yourself how can you expect to look after everyone else absolutely thank you for your time today you've been a star thank you so much